Chapter 30 of Hagar's Daughter, A Story of Southern Caste Prejudice. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Hagar's Daughter, A Story of Southern Caste Prejudice by Pauline Hopkins. Chapter 30 ensign hall reminded one of an ancient ruin the main body of the stately dwelling was standing but scarcely a vestige of the once beautiful outbuildings remained the cabins in the slave quarters stood like skeletons beneath the nodding leaves and beckoning arms of the grand old beaches war and desolation had done their best to reduce the stately pile to a wreck it bore too an uncanny reputation the negroes declared that the beautiful woods and the lonely avenues were haunted after nightfall it had grown into a tradition that the ghost of ellis ensign walked accompanied by a lady who bore an infant in her arms the hall was in charge of an old negress known all over the country as auntie griffin she was regarded with awe by both whites and blacks being a reputed witch woman used to dealing and trafficking with evil spirits tall and raw-boned she was a nightmare of horror her body was bent and twisted by disease from its original height her protruding chin was sharp like a razor and the sunken jaws told of toothless gums within her ebony skin was seamed by wrinkles her eyes yellow with age like hamlet's description of old men's eyes purged thick amber and plum-tree gum the deformed hands were horny and toil-worn her dress was a garment which had the virtue of being clean although its original texture had long since disappeared beneath a multitude of many-hued patches auntie griffin only visited the village for supplies she was uncongenial and taciturn she made no visits and received none lately however it was noticed that the old woman had a male companion at the hall an elderly dudish colored man whom she announced on her weekly visits to the store as her brother ike come to spend a short time with her it was well along in august when an old negro calling himself uncle william henry jackson accompanied by his grandson billy a sprightly lad scarcely more than a boy wandered into the village and took possession of one of the dilapidated antebellum huts formerly the home of slaves many of which still adorned the outskirts of the little hamlet uncle william henry claimed to be a former inhabitant who had belonged to a good old southern family of wealth made extinct by civil strife the oldest resident a negress of advanced age who was an authority on the genealogy of the settlement claimed to remember him distinctly whereupon he was adopted into their warm hearts as a son of the soil and received the most hospitable treatment in two weeks he had settled down as a fixture of the place the old man claimed to be a veteran of the late civil war and that he was in receipt of a small pension which provided food for himself and grandchild uncle william spent most of his time sitting on a half barrel at the door of the general store chewing tobacco making fishing rods from branches which billy brought him from the woods and telling stories of which he had a wonderful stock 
the rods he turned out were really pieces of artistic work when they left his hands and the owner of the store agreed to find a market for the goods thus the old man was happily established to quote in his own words for the rest of my days sitting in the sun with a few old cronies of his own cut white and black harmoniously blended spinning yarns of life in camp and for the truth must be told drinking bad moonshine rum he never tired of describing the battle scenes through which he had passed do i know anything about wagner i should say so being i was in it was his favorite prelude to a description of the famous charge no honey i didn't leave that missing leg dyer i left that leg over to fort pillar but for all that wagner was a corker yes sir a corker from eleven o'clock friday till four o'clock saturday we was getting on the transports we were rained on had no tents and nothing to eat there were no time for we were to lead the charge we came up at quick time and when we got within about hundred yards the rebs opened a raking fire why man they just vomited the shot into us from the foat and we a-walkin up dire in dress parade order they mowed us down like sheep the first shot came down rip zip and plowed a hole into us big enough to let in a squadron and all we did was to close up serving our fire but i tell you gentlemen we looked at each other and felt kind of lonesome for a sight of home and friends colonel shaw walked ahead as cool as if he were up to boston common singing out steady boys steady by and by the order come in a clear ringing voice charge forward my brave boys we started on a double quick and with a cheer and a shout we went pell-mell with a rush into and over the ditch them devils had made and fenced with wire but we kept right on and up the hill till we were hand to hand with the enemy colonel shaw was first to scale the walls he stood up thar straight and talked like angel gabriel urging the boys to press on i tell you sir twas a hot time first thing i remember clearly after i got hit up was i see the officer standing waving his sword and i heard him holler now give him hell boys give him hell and then there come his shot and hit him zirrip and off went his head but jimmin if you'll believe me that head rolled by me down the hill saying as it went give em hell boys give em hell until it landed in the ditch and all the time demon's arms was a waving of his sword come off uncle exclaimed one of the circle of listeners who ever heard of a man talking after his head was cut off gentlemen replied uncle william solemnly that there am a fact i see it with my own eyes and hate it with my own two ears it am a fact i've heard lies on lies drawled another onlooker from all kinds of liars white liars and niggers but that is the most infernal one i ever listened to i'll leave it to colonel morris there if such things ain't possible ain't you seen curious capers cut when you was in battle sir don't bring me into it uncle william henry i'm listening to you laughed the colonel who had just driven up and was about entering the store to make a purchase it am a fact i clare it am a fact insisted the old man there was the officer talking and then the shot hit him so sudden that he hadn't time to stop talking why the water in the ditch must have got in his mouth for i seen him when he spit it out at this there was a roar of laughter from the crowd and the first speaker slapped uncle william henry on the back with a resounding blow 
that's a tough one for our professor uncle i know you're dry come have a drink when they had all returned to their places the old man resumed his narrative when i looked again colonel shaw was gone the johnnies had pulled him over the parapet down onto the stockades and that was the last scene of as gallant a gentleman that ever lived i tell you mon when i seen that i felt like a she wildcat and i just outfit a blind mule i tore and i bit like a dog i got clinched with a reb and dogs my cats first thing i knowed i was chawing him in the throat and i never left go till he give a groan and i seed he was gone just then i seen three or four johnnies running along the parapet toward me a shouting surrender you damn nigger i looked and seen that all about me they was clubbing stabbing and shooting our boys to death and our men was fighting like devils themselves well sir when i seen them mr white men making for me i just rolled down the hill to the ditch and planted my gun bayonet down in the water i leapt across to the other side i was flying for sure you may believe and first thing i heard was halt who goes there it was the privy guard a black north carolina regiment stationed there to return stragglers to their posts i sung out thinking i was suddenly all right then fifty-four massachusetts but i felt the cold chills creep down my back when i heard the order get a back of there fifty-four and every man's gun said click clack you may believe gentlemen that i got back i wandered round for a spell like a lost kitten finally i stumbled into the lines and i crept under a gun carriage and slept there till morning now it happened that isaac johnson was lonely in his enforced solitude and being of social disposition soon made it a habit to wend his way to the corner store and listen to uncle william henry's stories having plenty of money he treated freely and was soon counted a good fellow by all the frequenters of the place at first isaac drank moderately mindful of his responsibilities but soon his old habits reasserted themselves moreover uncle william liked the social glass also and finally the two became so intimate that they would wend their way to the hut in the woods where the latter had taken up his residence and there enjoy to the full the contents of a gallon jug which was concealed under a loose board in the floor in short isaac got drunk and losing all sense of caution remained away from the hall two days and nights hidden in the hut from prying eyes the first time this happened old william henry recovered control of himself as soon as isaac was locked in drunken slumber upon billy's bed behind the curtains which divided the one room into sleeping apartments he went to the door then and waved a handkerchief three times nailed it to the side of the hut and retired ten minutes after this act the lad billy entered the woods which led to ensign hall the path though often ill-defined was never quite obliterated and he came at last to where the trees grew thinner and the hall was visible then he emerged upon a broad stretch of meadow and crossing it was soon on the grounds there he paused and looked cautiously about twilight was falling the scene was wild and romantic there was no sight nor sound of human beings he passed the rusty gates and sped swiftly across the lawn to the shelter of bushes near the wide piazzas he sank down in the shadow and waited nothing occurred to break the heavy silence 
not a human creature crossed the unkept grounds the soft summer wind lazily stirred the grass growing in rank luxuriance the scene was desolate and depressing enough so it continued for over an hour darkness finally succeeded the soft twilight then the lad reappeared and skirted the sides and front of the building carefully presently he espied a wild honeysuckle that had climbed to the third story of the house and blended its tendrils gracefully with the branches of a giant sycamore that stretched its arms so near to the house that they tapped gently against the irons that barred a window high above its head with the agility of a cat the boy was quickly finding his way up up to the window of the room where jewel was allowed to exercise and breathe the sweet summer air from the woods and fields a subdued light gleamed in the window behind the iron bars hush what noise was that it was the sound of voices in conversation the lad ceased his climbing and rested listening intently for a repetition of the sound again it came first a sweet young voice that had a weary despondent note then in answer the tones of an aged negro voice in an endeavor to comfort and encourage the listener waited no longer but rapidly mounted to the window just above his head reached the lower end of the rusty iron bar which divided the broken casement into two and drew himself up to the ledge and peered in mr henson was aroused from slumber at midnight that night to receive an important telegram which read quote, all okay just as we thought come on and bag the game End quote. End of chapter 30